Hello and welcome to another episode of The Modern Nerd. My name is Tim Bowen and I am, as always, a massive nerd. Now, before I go further, um, I would like just kind of point out on this particular episode that I am having a little bit of a technical difficulties throughout the whole episode. Um, you'll hear my air conditioning kick on. You'll hear that there's a lot of uh, static on my end. I'm in a new office, new setting. I'm still getting set up and waiting for it to sound a little bit better. So just bear with me for the next two episodes and uh, I'll have it all figured out for you. Uh, but this episode's uh, going to be a fun one. Um, I kind of go off the rails on some of them, but uh, it's worth it. I think uh, it's a good listen. Uh, I'm again with uh, my friend Dan and we are talking about villains or antagonists and or the difference between them uh, good ones what makes a good one why a good one can really make the movie so if you're really into that and you want to hear more uh, go ahead and give us a listen um, you know again this is gonna be a two-parter the first one's about an hour the second one is two so if you like what you hear in the first one you're gonna love the second one we get a little bit more in depth on it um, so give it a listen uh, this is villains with myself and Dan Smirch all right, today we have uh, Dan Smirch again. Uh, I feel like this is just becoming a thing, and this is now our podcast. Who knows? Um, so uh, introduce yourself again. Let everyone know you exist, and I'm not talking to, like, a robot or some shit. Hello, my name is Dan Smirch. Good. That's I great. am the cybernetic friend of Timbo Slice. Wonder. He Wonderful. has programmed me to say good things about him. He is all right. <laughs> Good. That was excellent. You nailed every emphasis on all the words. Perfect. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a cookie later. Um, so, uh, all right. So today uh, we are going to be talking uh, about villains uh, and uh, their impressions in the movies. Uh, good ones, bad ones, ones that are well written, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, because I think, uh, as we've discussed previously, the uh, best... And some of the best movies uh, are the best because of the villains. You you have a better dynamic and a better screenwriting, a better uh, uh, character presence when you have two really well-built characters as opposed to like, oh, I don't know, I don't even remember his name from Justice League. Like, you know, nobody gives a shit because yeah. he's a nobody. But before we get into all this, um, I always have to ask, uh, what are you doing, what are you watching, what are you playing? Um, Let's see. Finished Downton Abbey. I recommend it, honestly. That's really random. It that is. It's a little it off is, topic for this podcast. But it totally random. is. But I, I don't know, man. It. Uh, I liked it, and I recommend it to you. I. Did you watch I don't know. With your parents. I did. Yeah. The movie too. No. Um, no, yeah. You know, and the movie. You know how it is. A, a movie after a series is never quite as good as the as capturing the magic. Um, but I, I liked it. It was really good. I did see a movie that does fall in line with this podcast called Hide and Seek. I don't know if you've seen it. I want to. Uh, it uh, it definitely falls into the. We were talking about you know genre blending type movies, and uh, it definitely falls into Can that category. Um. There's no uh, what's what's his name Adam Brody from from or is that his name from uh, no 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 the the Adrian the nerdy Brody? kid no 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 the nerdy kid from the OC Adrian um, Adrian Brody it is I think so no I don't remember his name but he's the only he's the only person of noteworthy yeah, you might there. be right with Adam I could be I could be making words up here Adrian Brody's the the pianist dude um wow who wow. kissed Halle Berry you are so right. <laughs> Um, wait a minute. I mean, this has got hide and seek. Which hide and seek? From when? Uh, it's 2019. 
uh, it's got the girl from a movie called The Babysitter, and The Babysitter, she, I mean, slight spoilers, she invites over her, she's babysitting these kids, she's like the super cool, like, hot babysitter, and then she invites over this, like, her cult friends to, like, sacrifice the kids to Satan or something. You mean mean Ready or Not? Oh, maybe I do. Yeah, you do. I know what you're talking about. And, like, she gets, like, uh... He's marrying into a rich family. Yeah, I saw the trailer yep. for this, and they hunt her and all okay. that stuff. Oh, wow. Oopsies. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. I haven't from 2005, and I had, like, I was like, there's no one in it. Fucking Robert De Niro's in it. What's wrong with you? Um, <laughs> I mean, well, they play a game of hide-and-seek. That's what the game that they play is called, yeah. so they probably couldn't call it that. Yeah. Um, I do, want, I do yeah. want to watch that movie. That you should good. watch it. It, uh, it definitely falls in line with movies we were talking about without any spoilers. Okay, cool. Um... Man, that's uh, it. What are you playing? Are you playing anything? Same thing. Same thing. I'm playing Destiny 2. And yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, it's a really well-made game shooting-wise, and that's really the thing that keeps me coming back. The rest well, of it, it can be rather confusing. I am, uh, I'm playing the best game of 2016. It might be later, 20... No, I think it was 2016. Um, for the PlayStation 3, I got it remastered because the second one come out. Uh, I am playing The Last of Us all the way through. Finally. Are you really? Yeah, I, 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 when, when I was in Chicago, we were playing this game at the same time back in the day, and uh, I, um, I didn't finish it. Like I just, I got like stuck on a level. I had no ammo. I, I'm, I wasn't great right. at stealth games back in the day, so I was like, "Fuck this," and I put it down. And you know, it, it'll run your nerves up pretty high if you're not like it used to like horror zombie type stuff. Uh, but I am much further in it now, and it is phenomenal. I, I will admit something that I, I don't, I almost never do this. Uh, I put it on easy because I want to play the, I want the story. Um, yeah. The gameplay is great. Sorry, uh, but. Uh, uh, I just really wanted the experience, and it is delivering uh, on every level. Um, I did have it on normal for a while, and I was getting my ass kicked, uh, so I was like, fuck this, I want to get through it, because I really just want to play the second one. So I'm going to put the second one on on normal, as I normally do, Uh, and I have the second one. I bought them at the same time, so I'm I'm getting through this, uh, and then I'm immediately just going to pick up the second one, put it in the in there. It's two discs. It's the first game I played in forever that has two discs. Really? It's 108 gigabytes. I was like, fuck. Oh. Hmm. I had to buy it's a really my game. I had to buy a, a two terabyte uh, um, external hard drive for the PS4. So I was like, okay. fuck. Cool. It's a great game, man. It's very. Um, I don't know. There's just it's like it's the type of game that makes you say your game should be nominated for awards and like major award ceremonies. It's just it's just uh, that kind of game. It's excellent. No, I'm, I'm, it is it is it's another game that does a reward stealth gameplay. So if you're not yeah, into that, I, I am, it's hard. I am uh, I'm much more uh, accomplished at stealth games, mostly because of um, Batman, Far Cry. Spider-Man, oh, okay. Far Cry. Um, I've gotten, you know, I've gotten a lot better from when we started playing Far Cry back in the day, where it was just, I'm going to use my shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, can we, can we not do it this time? You're like, yeah, yeah, okay, we can okay, yeah, sneak this time. <laughs> and I would try, and I would fail. But whatever, I'm better now. Um, but I, once you learn, and, and spoilers for anybody who hasn't played this game in the last five years, um, the clickers, uh, they're actually really easy 
it for me in the level I'm taking it on. I remember, again, I'm playing it on easy, but they're really easy to sneak up on because, A, they can't see you. You just got to move slowly. So if you have patience, you can play this game no problem. It's the bloaters that are the problem for me. Those fucking guys are, sure. are rough. But I've uh, recalled uh, after being killed by one like three times, I remembered I had those explosive cans with nails in them. I was like, oh, this is... Yeah, I'm going to set traps for him. So when he starts running at me, I'm, I'll kill him. Um, Very intense game. Yeah, it is super intense. I tr- I basically don't play it at night. That's fair. Yeah, it's gonna. Get, I mean, the second one is apparently just that much more visceral because you yeah. can just see much more texture and detail. And something I'm not looking forward to that I've heard about the second one is that a lot of people, you know, they they have no attack spoilers. dogs. I don't. I don't. This isn't, I this isn't a spoiler, uh, but it's like the, they have attack dogs, and they don't look like attack dogs. They just look like dogs, and so killing dogs, I don't know. Yeah, really a it's, hard it's thing rough. to. I mean, especially. I mean, some games it doesn't matter, but it's when a game with a lot of detail and when you're just like using your hands to murder everything, I don't know. I'm not looking forward to that. I was, I was D- playing disable dogs. I was playing something where I had to uh, kill dogs and it was it, it gave the yelp it was very realistic and I was all oh I was I think it might have been one of the far cries they had like wild dogs in it and uh, and we're playing it together she's sitting next to me and uh, I'm playing it and I just am like just just sniping these things off left and right because I'm like desensitized to it at this point and she's like oh, god I was like it's a video game like I'm not ever going to do this in real life. But I was like, I need to not be killed by these things, so I have to... Well, was it the, was it the jacked up, uh, like, wolves, the judges from Far Cry no. 5? Because those things are barely dogs. No, there was one that had wild dogs. I think it was 4. <laughs> I don't remember. Okay. I mean, I played 4, I played 5, Primal, and New Dawn. So, it could mm. be literally any of them. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I saw a movie and I can't remember what it was. Uh, we've just been going through all the different stuff here. Um, movie series. Uh, just to mm. watch them. Because everybody's watching TV shows. I'm like, yes, I- I'm going to watch some TV shows here and there. Uh, watch Space Force. Um, mm. I enjoyed Good. it. I thought it was fine. It, I- I'm not going into this being like, it's the next office. Or, you know, Steve Carell's back. Like, he's still kind of a dim-witted kind of boss figure. But, like, in the military, mm. so it's a little different. But uh, I enjoyed it. It's got some heart. It's got some laughs. Uh, the first episode really just lays into our uh, current POTUS, and it's fucking hilarious. Um, <laughs> and then they kind of like ease off on some of that stuff. But it's it. it I enjoyed it. It's not going to be the best thing you ever watch. Would I recommend it? Yeah, go ahead. If you got ten episodes to kill, go ahead, do it. Um, but we watched Underworld, uh, the whole series. Uh, and. and uh, <sighs> Like, I Sorry, like, I like them, man. You know, it's it is. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm the last two they made were very disjointed and pretty rough. They, yeah, they were, but they were trying. To, you know, it's hard to kind of. You, you've got Bill Nye and uh, um, what's his name, Michael Sheen, in the first mm. two, and you're like, wow, these are you know good actors, you know, and they yeah. they can they can carry the other part of this rule. Kate Beckinsale, you know how I feel about Michael Sheen. I think he's like one of the most underrated actors, personally. Oh, yeah, no, he's he's phenomenal. Um, yeah. But he, uh, 
uh, and then you go and you bring in, you know, uh, Tywin Lannister in uh, mm, uh, in, right. in the third one, fourth one, whatever it is. And, like, it just doesn't hold the same gravitas. So I'm like, eh, eh stories are kind of lame. But my only thought is, like, this is the last cool vampire stories that they've told because they ruined <laughs> vampires with fucking Twilight and sparkly-ass bitches. You know what I'm saying? So it's just really annoying. Uh, so it's the last thing our generation has to watch that's a good vampire, other than like maybe True Blood was kind of cool, still kind of leading into the romance. I like romance. I like the first two Blades. Those were all right. Right, but those were like those were the late '90s, early 2000s. Yes, so and this True. was like 2011 or something when they started. But um, I digress. You know, those are old movies. I'm not going to review you know 10 year old movies um oh i was gonna say i have i am gonna literally start the final season of star wars the clone wars tonight uh so i have watched six seasons of it and it's it's an interesting you know it's it's stories it's not like one long story it's different random stories from around the galaxy starring many of the different characters we've come to know and that can be a good thing and a bad thing uh sometimes i wish they would continue on with, with the, some of the good ones and then we'll they'll go to and we'll have like a like a c3po episode and i'm like oh, okay well this is for the next three or four and it's always like at least in the last like last couple seasons it's always like three or four episode chunks of stories and then i'll move on to a new story for three or four episodes and most of the time it's all right but i mean i just found myself uh kind of you know wishing certain storylines would continue and i have to watch a new one and i'm just not as interested and this last season season six was entirely devoted to just foreshadowing the Order 66, which isn't really a spoiler at this point. And there's just a lot of, like, clones discovering that there is a... that there are there are organic chips in all of them that will make them want it because one of them malfunctions. Ah, and, 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 okay. All right. Well, anyway. Uh, but, you know, and, and Yoda learning how to communicate with, you know, past, you know, uh, people who have joined the Force uh, and can he can communicate with, like, Qui-Gon Jinn and he, that's, he learns. Anyway, so it's like a lot of setup and it, I don't know. Uh, and Ashoka Tano, who is apparently a very prominent figure in this upcoming final season isn't even in season six and it's such a mixed bag i i do think it does get better with time but i just it you know it's nice to watch a show with one big story and characters you like instead of like going okay now here we go now here's a her clone episode uh, you know uh. yeah, yeah. so it's I don't know. I don't know if I can honestly recommend it. There are some really good stories mixed in there, but if for every good story there was like a kind of mediocre story. So I mean, dude, I watched the entirety of Smallville. I think I can handle this. <laughs> so okay. Oh god, we, we we're not going to talk about Smallville. No. Um, all right. So villains. Uh, villains. A, a true, I love villains. A true I love villain villains. Will make or break. A movie, a story, uh, a comic book, anything you want. A good villain makes or breaks the show, in my opinion. Unless you have this a might good be the thing between an ensemble group of characters. Um, this might be the start? thing we talk about most. I feel like you and I talk about villains more than we have most other nerdy things related in the, to in this wheelhouse. And it's very exciting that we get to talk about it because I feel like this is kind of why, I mean, 
So, all right. Can we start with Batman and just talk about how I think one of the main reasons Batman is so great is because he has such great villains. Uh, yeah, I would agree with I that. mean, I would say he has the best villains of any comic book franchise. Uh, I mean, wouldn't you agree? I would. Um, I mean, I'm a little biased. I have my particular favorites. Uh, I, I think oh, the my. next closest is uh, like Spider-Man and his rogues. Sure. Uh, the main ones, not like the Shocker, you know, or something like that. But, <laughs> no, he doesn't uh, count, apparently. Not anymore, he doesn't. Um, <laughs> not in any video game history. Um, oh, man. But, yeah, no, I think Batman has the strongest group of, of characters uh, uh, supporting him in the villain roles. Um, should we should we go through the, the top ones real quick, and then we'll pick out a couple? Uh, you've got, you got Two-Face, you got Penguin... <laughs> Riddler, Joker, Mr. Freeze, and I'm pretty sure uh, um, for Scarecrow, uh, who can be really good or can be really dumb, depending on who's who's got the character in their hands. Um, and then there's, like, my favorite dynamic is Catwoman, obviously, but we can get into that one a little bit more because she kind of walks the line. But uh, pick one, go. <laughs> I like characters who walk the line. I think those are some of the more interesting, you know, ones. And we'll get into, you know, the likes of Darth Vader and, and Zuko later. But uh, the well, those are more of an arc. But yeah, I, I think you know, you know, you got your your Venoms who kind of played both sides a little bit, and those are some of the more interesting ones. I mean, the best villains, I think that that you really when you really understand them and you see what makes them tick and you start to begin to, you know, I think that is an important part of it. But, uh, I was talking to Tim the other day and I, I felt like it was a long time, uh, since I felt I could find a villain. I truly despised, you know, you've a villain, you truly wanted to fail and you wanted them to mess up. And I find that the more you get to know a villain, the less you feel this way, uh, unless there's something that's, unless there's a different factor. Um, so it's an interesting balance. You know, do you want to know more about the villain or do you want the, to just hate the villain and want them to lose kind of thing? Well, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I think it does kind of matter what their motives are uh, and what the what is driving them. Because some of these people you'll get to know and you just still hate them. Like, you don't, you don't agree with them. They're just, clearly their point of view is wrong. Um, and, and it's just Example? evil. Jesus. Um, I'll, I'll have to... Uh, Cersei Lannister. Okay. She good is, example. No matter what you do, no matter what point of view you have, every action she took is evil. Is pure evil. And, and some people, there's the argument, well, she's trying to save her children. Like, that's unexcusable. The shit that she pulls and the stuff that happens in that show is unexcusable for a human being to do. She is without remorse and only uh, has self-interest in mind. Uh, so I think that is, is something uh, that is the exception to the rule, where you really did get to know her and everything behind her. I think uh, the example of the rule would be uh, probably more, more along the lines of like Killmonger or Thanos. Um, where you get to know them and you realize what they're trying to do, the end goal is actually worthy. But it, the ends don't justify the means in their cases. They're just going about it a little wrong. Um, let's go with, I'm going to go with uh, uh, the more topical one, Killmonger. 
Um, I think you know he he is he's touched on a note of um, that's been you know ever present in this world for what last like seventy to hundred years uh, uh, the repression of a particular group of people and what he wants is noble he wants them uh, to be out in the open out in control and and, and have a voice and, and be heard but the way he's doing it is uh, you know. Uh, starting a global war or something like that it's sure it just it, it doesn't it you know what i mean but you still are like well yes i want i'm kind of rooting for you at the same time yeah like i don't want you to fail but like you it's weird it's it walks a really fine yeah. line i think thanos does that as well where you're like you're right we're overpopulated well, the world's need to be true need to have less people on it but it's like do i want half the population to just magically disappear and turn into dust no yeah, I don't know. That's a those those two are a little bit more. There's a wider gap there for me. I think Killmonger uh, is probably one of the most justified villains I have yet to come across, and still be an effective villain. I mean, there are sometimes when they're too justified, all of a sudden they I, they switch sides. Um, so I, I want to go on record. Was, I don't I I don't want to use the word villain for Killmonger. I don't think oh. that he's a villain to the essence of its core. I think he is, well, I think okay. it's more of a, like an antagonist. Sure. He's someone that's, yeah. that's going against well, okay. what the main character wants. Sure. That's and, what I meant. I mean, that in terms of that movie narrative perspective, he was the antagonist of that movie, yeah. which do you think there's, is there's a difference between antagonist and villain for you? Or is that, or is there actually a difference? And I just don't know. I mean, it can definitely be a difference. I think like someone who, I mean, antagonist is with someone who antagonizes the main character or something like that. Um, I, I think that could be a very broad term and can be used a little bit more loosely in like comedies where there's not like a villain. It's just an asshole. You know what I mean? Like there's See. an antagonist in the story. Um, Fair enough. Uh, what's a good example? Someone who, like, there's, like, a group dynamic and one person's just a dick. You know, that's an antagonist to the group. Uh, in I think um, right now the thing that popped into my head was Steve Carell in The Way, Way Back. I don't know if you ever saw that. He was, know. like, he played, like, a stepdad, and he was, like, an asshole stepdad. And he, I, I man, he really, you know, pissed me off. I was amazed. Steve Carell impresses me. From He really has done some pretty interesting roles. I mean, I don't know if you saw that. Uh, the one with Channing Tatum, the one about the wrestlers, uh, where he got all the makeup. No, um, the, yeah, the movie's uh, okay. I mean, it, but he plays John Dupont, a real life character, and he, man, he really got into it. I'm, it was pretty impressive. I mean, you know, I'm all for the the character, and, and I'll watch a movie just for a performance. I don't. Sure. I don't need. That's a good movie for the performance. Yeah, and I'll still like the movie because of the performance. Because whatever. Um, all right, but I, I, let's go with someone that we both, I think, I think the world can pretty much agree uh, is just someone at every turn, at every step. You just want to see this person fail, die, fall off a cliff, whatever it may be. Uh, uh, in in Dolores Umbridge from the Harry Potter series, <laughs> where she's just, it's just everything she does is like nails on a chalkboard. It's just. Uh, you just you just you see her and you're like, ooh, this bitch, I want her to fucking just fall and crack her head. You know, some shit to happen to this person. Job. 
she did so uh, she, I think she did really good in that to make you feel that for a character and and to have that you know I think she added a little bit more to the character than than from the books which you know in a, in something like that where it's an adaptation from a character from a book you generally lose a lot on screen because you don't get the inner monologues you don't get like the personal nuance that you get in writing you can describe things a little bit more and get a little more feel for the character but she really took what was there on the page and made you just feel it and hate this woman on screen you know i i read the books and it i have to say the the actress portraying her i think made her much more evil at least than than in my head uh Reading the books, I, I I always just got the sense that there was just this, you know, older style generation of person who was a little more old fashioned and really valued discipline, and just kind of got caught up, uh, in in a downward I don't know, not downward spiral, but just kind of got caught up in the whole, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, the the patriarchy of of all this, you know, and then eventually it's it's she's has to be, she gets involved with you know with. Uh, Voldemort and Voldemort's, uh, you know, cohorts, and I just felt like she didn't start out that way. But that's not the sense I got in the movie. In the movie, I've you the second you meet her, you're like, oh my, this woman is just seems pure evil in a very subtle, nice kind of way. And it's like that makes it that much more evil to me. What I don't understand with her is like she's one of those kind of like follow without question type of people who in today's political landscape there are a lot of um, sure. uh, which is you know only more relevant to the character but she you know she just follows everything that you know uh, um, what's his name the um, um, yeah, the person in charge of the ministry the the minister he everything he does she's just like a parrot she just repeats it she's like but she'll emphasize it she'll bring it a little bit more she'll you know bring it to a little bit more of an extreme and that kind of stuff uh, but then like when you when when everyone's proven wrong when the minister of magic's proven wrong that Voldemort does exist and there is pure evil in this world she ends up on that side which is like yeah but like you you just got proven. It doesn't. It to me in a small narrative way, she would be like, "Oh shit, you're right. I don't want to be associated with this asshole." You know, he kills people. But like then, she also is like the more extremist, where she's you know, uh, mixing those anti-mixing of the bloodlines and all that. So I guess it does make sense now that I think about it. She's just a horrible, horrible bigoted person. She's come too far. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, you mentioned Zuko, Vader. I'll throw Kylo Ren into that story as well because the, <laughs> I mean he I mean he didn't they didn't really do him as much justice but the the Zukos and the Vaders uh, yeah. as, uh, of the cinematic world and and television and everything I think those are some of the more to me um, poignant uh, characters where you spent so long kind of like really not liking them really sort of. Thinking like, oh, this motherfucker's on screen. Shit's about to go down. The, you know, like, how are we going to kill this person? How are we going to defeat this person? How are we going to, you know, escape from this person? Whatever it is, and then to have such a dramatic turn, where it's done in both cases, uh, in my opinion, one better than the other. But I won't get into that just a second. Uh, where they turn to the to the light, to the good side, that you 
you it, the rest of what they do resonates that much more with you. And I'm speaking clearly of Zuko because Vader doesn't make it past that scene. Um, Agree. But I think his t- Zuko's turn in general, probably inspired by Vader, uh, was sure. It just made it resonate because he was this like troubled you know kid and i guess when you really go back and watch the original trilogy not the original the um the 90s uh the 2000s trilogy the one two and three of star wars that like he is kind of the same character as zuko he's this troubled whiny annoying teenager 20 something kid who you know is, is out to for glory for honor for you know wanting to be a jedi master and all that and then makes the t- full turn to evil whereas zuko is just evil uh in the beginning uh, and a great villain and antagonist until right. Well, I would argue he was never really evil. I he was just driven largely by only what he knew, and what he knew was that he wanted to be accepted by his father. I mean, it's really easy to look at him without seeing the series and seem like, oh wow, this kid is like annoying as hell. Like, I want me store my honor, and 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 it's it's really like wow. I this kid has no idea what he's doing. He's he's being a dick to his uncle, who's being pretty nice to him. And on a rewatch, you're like, oh, poor Zuko. Yeah. Like because you you know what he's going through, yeah, and the, the that kind of ties into yeah, because it kind of ties into what I was saying about learning more about a villain. The the more you learned about Zuko, the more you realized that this kid has just had a terrible father and, and it sits with lead. you it's, yeah it sits with you more on a second viewing because oh, you're when you rewatch a character knowing where their arc goes and knowing that they you know decide to stray from their original path that like everything they do you you, you you're right they don't you're not sitting there being like this asshole you're like oh come on man like you just you've got the moment just make the right choice the whole time like i'm rooting for it's i know Oh, it's great. I recently, uh, maybe like last year, I started started over again with some friends. And the line, someone says, like, Commander Zhao says something like, have you forgotten that you were, that what your father did to you and cast you out? And Zuko's just like, I will never forget. And you're just like, oh. It's a really good, it's, I, arguably, you could say Zuko was the best character uh, in Avatar: the Last Airbender. Oh, I mean, I just be- agree with you just because of the story arc. It's so yeah. complete. It's it's a very it's very and they you know they did have much more time uh, to flesh him out than they did in Star Wars, uh, and you're able to learn five times as much because uh, honestly, you really don't learn all that much about Darth Vader at least in the original trilogy, no, uh, unless uh, until you get to the the uh, the prequels, which even then. <sighs> I really don't want to talk about Star Wars. I mean, that doesn't count <laughs> as much because the prequels aren't him while he's evil. You know, he's not, he isn't Vader in the original. True. Until the last he's second, the last evil. movie. Yeah. So it, it's a little different, but I do want to dwell on Vader for a second here, though, because, like, okay. for, for the last, what, it was 1973, 79, whenever the first one came out, 77, something like that. I'm really bad with the dates. Um, since then he has been regarded as like the best movie villain like hands down like every list because I, I went and looked at lists on this and to see who the top ones were he's still top of the list for everybody but like really and, and i can see kind of why because he he may not have like the most in-depth story uh behind him but like his presence on screen 
is just so commanding and so powerful that like everything he does like you I, I rewatched them I mean it was probably like a year ago maybe two I rewatched all those again like he still holds this this gravitas to everything he does just I don't know why he's a huge you know uh, a lumbering figure who's just like takes over the scene when he's in it and he has like always has like three words there's a couple of like you know uh, uh points where he has a little bit more to say but he, he barely speaks and you still feel his presence which i think it when you really can command the screen like that that says something to the character to the actor to to everybody involved in it so i would i mean is he my absolute favorite and would i say he's like my top villain no but he's up there because of that. Because you know, to be able to do so much with so little, that's pretty good. That's pretty I guess good. so. I don't think I can objectively say because I just don't think so at all. I, I I really don't. I think it's because he's tied in with one of the greatest cinematic moments in history in Luke. I am your father. That's cool. uh, and you know, because here's just. I mean, he was, he's a face, it's easy to make a villain, a faceless villain evil, especially when you have uh, a f- person in uh, James Earl Jones voicing him. Uh, you, you just make something look kind of evil, have James Earl Jones do his thing, and here's just this very commanding presence. You know, he's in this very intimidating suit, you know, it's got all, it's, it's, everything about it is. I don't, but if there wasn't for that I Am Your Father moment, I doubt we'd be having this conversation. You're probably, uh, you're probably I really, and not just that. I, I am so, I'm so tired of everyone talking about how powerful that this Darth Vader is when he's done nothing. I, how, why is he powerful? I, he's never done anything that powerful to me. He chokes people, which we've seen almost anybody, even remotely bad, do. Uh, even some Jedi, uh, and he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't use. So he doesn't use. Is force lighting, and the the reasoning behind that is because he's not fully evil. Is that am I correct in assuming that? Maybe you guess as good as mine on that one. Um, as, I mean, that's I'm that's not me guessing. Um, I I just don't know. I know I always thought he was slightly overrated. If I'm being honest, uh, I think James Earl Jones made that character definitely into the conversation we're we're having about him, but. Though I will say, uh, it is interesting watching the Clone Wars and seeing little things um, that start to tick Anakin off. Uh, he has uh, he has conversations with uh, uh, I want to say Moff Tarkin. I, want, I think that's the guy. They, they brought him back to life. Mm-hmm. That's the one. Uh, and they he you know he says Grand Moff Tarkin says ah, I don't think the Jedi are quite effective in this war and there's too many restrictions and Anakin kind of goes yeah well I agree and you're kind of like ah. Oh. So there's that's interesting, but other than that, I don't know. I guess. Anyway. I mean, I, I read some of the comic books uh, that were done with him. Uh, it was when Marvel took it over, and, and I think they did a good job. Uh, and I think it was it was a little more interesting because I'm used to this, you know, uh, character who is a little larger than life and doesn't have a whole lot to say. He has his monologues and has his his moments in the movies. Don't get me wrong, but like to give him a little bit more speaking and everything. Uh, in these comics, I was like, okay, it, it became a little more intriguing for me. Um, but uh, I want to I want to shift a little bit uh, to the, uh, in my opinion, another larger than life kind of character who has way more depth to him, uh, Magneto, um, and and he's again one of these ones, in my opinion, who kind of really walks the line, um, because 
what he wants, again, is very noble. He wants equality for his people, and he wants to be able to, you know, walk down the street without getting, you know, fucking shit thrown at him and all that stuff. Uh, so it's just kind of the way he goes about it, again, that is considered the evil part, and it really kind of is. Um, but I think, you know, especially... And, again, I'm coming from a comic book and movie point of view, and I know you didn't read the comics kind of like I did, uh, but even in the movies, especially, in my opinion, the Fassbender stuff, um, you really kind of feel more for the character, especially in, in uh, First Class, where they have that great dynamic between James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender. Uh, it, it really kind of set the tone. I don't think they delivered on all the rest of the movies, necessarily, but I think they set the tone very well for this uh, particular uh, strife between these two characters uh, and, and, and how they go about similar goals uh, with equality for mutants. Um, I've always loved Magneto. I think, you know, he's been very good. I, I've And I've loved him because, you know, he's relatable in a sense where it's like you're not purely evil. You just want to... You will, you're willing to do what others aren't to get the results that that are needed, which is, you know, an interesting topic. What do you think? Um, yeah. I Yes, I think he's very interesting. And I, I, I think if I were a mutant, I would probably feel like the more professor x side maybe the first you know 15 to 20 years of my life and then i'd get fed up and i would probably lean more toward magneto and just get upset you know i kind of i don't know you know kind of i've always thought of them as like uh as as if i if we're if we're to draw comparisons i would always kind of think of magneto as like a, a malcolm x to professor xavier's um you know, uh, Martin Luther King, you know, uh, violent versus nonviolent. Uh, yeah. And I, if I were a mutant, I would get very fed up of the treatment and I would, I would probably start to lean more towards Magneto. And I think yeah. it's uh, an understandable reaction to some of it. I mean, obviously you got stuff like, I think he was with Ian McKellen. I think there, he was portrayed as much more evil. Um, maybe it was later in his life. I don't know. I, don't know. I think he's more evil in the middle of his life than he would be the end or the beginning. X-Men 2, X-United, literally, he had, I guess, but he was just doing what what this other human was doing. Instead of having all the mutants targeted, target all the humans and kill them. Uh, does Ooh, that yeah. make him justified? I, I don't know. That's still pretty evil in my eyes. Um, so I don't know, but he's just doing what it was being done to him, so it's not. It's still not as evil as it could be, but... Uh, I feel like that is, is more of a touchy subject uh, these days, but um, <laughs> I mean, I agree with you, though. They did some interesting stuff in the comics uh, in the current run of X-Men where basically uh, like all of mutant kind has united, so I'm talking like Apocalypse, um, uh, Charles, um, uh, Magneto, you got, you know, like the Hellfire Club uh, with uh, the White Queen, what's her name? Um, Emma Frost, like everyone, uh, so they've got, yeah. they've kind of taken all of them to work the same goal. Like they stopped fighting each other and put all their resources mm. towards um, the goal, not fighting uh, humans, but kind of being like, this is our place in society. This is what we do. We are mutants, and like they have this whole like, it's again, it's like another island, but it's a living island. It's all kinds of crazy stuff. It's very good, and I think it's fantastic. There's also. Uh, if anybody wants any recommendations, um, a comic out there called um, 
that either they're not like us or they're like us. Um, it's essentially another take on mutants uh, from a different, not Marvel or anything like that. And, and it's growing up in, in I almost want to say, I want to say it's current times, could be throughout time, but I want it's in San Francisco. And it's a much more realistic view on uh, how... Uh, uh, a, a small group of mutants is kind of integrated into the world and, and what needs to be done and how they need to survive and everything. It's very good. Um, uh, they're not like us, or is it they're like us? I don't remember. Um, I want to say it's they're not like us. It's a very good comic, very well written. Um, but uh, I do want to move on. I got a bunch more people on this list. I want to talk about some of the ones that may not take as much uh, talking about. Um, one of the ones that I really liked, uh, and, you know, I kind of threw this on there for my own personal reasons, but I did some research and found that other people threw him on the list, is uh, a one Hans Gruber from Die Hard, mm. the original, who was played by uh, the late, great uh, Alan Rickman, uh, and I think really without him, that movie may not have been as successful, because mm. his character was, was very interesting. I mean, you know, you, you kind of get to know him a little bit in as much as you can in one movie. Um, you know, his, his motives, he isn't just, you know, he's at one point accused of being just some petty thief, and he kind of loses it a little bit, and I think it's very interesting for his character, and he, he's like, not just a petty thief, you know, like, this is like, billions of dollars in untraceable bear bonds so like it's like it's a perfect crime essentially you know if you get away with it because you, with bear bonds uh, uh possession is law if you hold them you're the owner and you can cash them in and get your money and all that kind of stuff so but like throughout the throughout the series him and john mcclain have great repertoire between each other a great just quips back and forth you know uh, uh gruber is very understanding very um He's listening because he's plotting. He's he's thinking everything that um, um, McLean does in the movie. Uh, that he said everything he says to Hans Gruber. Gruber is kind of like taking it in, kind of reformulating his plan. He's like, "This is a hiccup, but we can make it work. It's going to go great. Everything is fine." And you know, and I think it really kind of made a better on-screen dynamic for that movie to succeed, um, as opposed to like if you had just put, you know just some guy who's overly angry holding up a bank and it was the same concept with uh, John McClane, it wouldn't have really landed quite as much. And Alan Rickman, I feel, had a lot to do for that. What do you feel Certainly. About, about Gruber? I, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's one of those where you watch it at first and you're kind of like, oh, great, you know, they made this foreign guy the bad guy and he's just kind of, well, he just wants a bunch of money. But as you, but if you watch it again and you pay attention, you're right, he is calculating and he is paying attention and uh, and there, it's a, it's a definite more subtle uh, quality villain um, that if you really pay attention, you see that he's, that both, both he and Bruce Willis are adapting throughout that entire movie and trying to figure out how to move forward and that what's drives that movie in my opinion yeah. and that's an important part uh if both of the villain and the the protagonist sorry the antagonist and the protagonist are both adapting throughout the movie and changing up their tactics it makes for a much more interesting movie every time agreed um that's a, that's a prime example yeah um i want to talk about uh who else i got on here on this list um I want to talk about an interesting one. You said, you said Hans, and I thought you were going to say Hans Landa, oh, aka. I, or F. I want to get to that. But I, want, I want to talk about him, but I want to I want to push him off just a little bit more. Um, okay. I want okay. to talk about uh, one of the uh, 
I'm going to go with an honorable mention, uh, in my okay. opinion. I think um, as far as like super villains go, um, there mm-hmm. aren't a ton in the Marvel universe, especially not in the DC. Really, universe, are not that are really worth remembering. There aren't, you know, in my opinion, I don't like that they kill off all these characters. It's kind of annoying. Um, yeah. You've got a few here and there. I think Red Skull was great. Um, another honorable mention. He, he could have been better. Don't get me wrong. I think he was fine. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, you've got the ghost in Ant-Man 2. Like, sure. You've got Yellow Jacket. These are not honorable mentions. These are the throwaways. You've got Yellow Jacket. Oh, Yellow Jacket is so throwaway. It is, and it's a shame because in the comics he's a lot better. He's a more interesting character. Um, but uh, that being said, I think honorable mentions uh, both come out of Spider-Man uh, is going to be Homecoming and uh, Far From Home is the Vulture uh, and I think uh, Mysterio. Um, and I, I'm only calling them honorable mentions because they're not the absolute best villains, but as far as like super villains go, they're some of the best ones they've given us uh, yeah. Aside from Killmonger, aside from Thanos, aside from Loki, I think there's some more interesting ones. And my best, my favorite thing is uh, they didn't kill him. Well, maybe. Um, spoilers for <laughs> hard from tell. Home. Yeah, hard, who knows? Uh, but like you know, the end of uh, Homecoming, uh, Vulture is very much still alive, and I think you know it was a nice, um, a nice homage to have him uh, uh, back in the superhero screen. Uh, Michael Keaton, but I think he did very well. I think it was a very interesting character. I think having um, the love interest be his daughter uh, for Peter, I think that was uh, I thought that was a great tie-in, and it made the character more interesting. It made it hit a little bit closer to home. If it was just some random guy, it may not have landed as well. But it gave you that great scene where he like you, you know this is a Spider-Man movie. The kid's in high school where he drops him off at uh, the dance, and he turns around and he puts a gun on the seat of the car and points it right at Peter. You're like, oh, right. Okay, we're just getting real intense right here real fast. Like, that's a move I didn't see coming. You know, I, yes, they have guns and they have all that shit in the movie, but it's never like this personal, intimate moment where he's, like, talking directly. I know who you are. Stay the hell away from my daughter. Go show her a good time. Like, I was like, that, that made a little bit more for me. How fascinating is it? He became that much more of an evil, intimidating villain when you find out he's the dad of a love interest. I mean, that it's like that's a great, you know, because you know, before he was like, okay, you know, he's 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 trying to make a living, and then yeah. it's like, oh, oh, oh my, and then that was hands down him without his suit, just Michael Keaton acting, yeah. the most intimidating part of of him in the entire yeah. movie, and. Uh, yeah, credit to him. And, uh, God, did you hear he's... Anyway, we'll get yeah, to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. that. Hold on. Yeah. I am chomping at the bit right here. But uh, he, um, the most interesting part about both of these villains is you kind of feel bad for both of them. Again, I think they learned from some yeah. of the earlier movies. You know, he's, he's got his livelihood. Both of them, uh, Mysterio and Vulture, have had their livelihoods kind of taken away from them, um, kind of shamed by a superhero, and are kind of trying to take revenge on them. Well, maybe not so much in the first one because he uh not not so much the vulture because it wasn't spider-man who took his job away but he eventually becomes a thorn in his side but it just it it's a good dynamic on on both fronts with spider-man i think uh jake gyllenhaal did a phenomenal phenomenal job as uh mysterio who is probably the hardest villain in my opinion to pull off because he's just got this dome on his head like how are you gonna and they just did it they're like you know what fuck you we're gonna do it like we're tired. We're not DC. We're not. This isn't old, you know, Fox 
uh, uh, X-Men where they're going to be in black leather. You know, it's just here's what he looks like in the in the comics. Here's what he looks like in the movie. And you're welcome, yep. world. And it was yeah, it was superb. Absolutely, it was superb. superb. Which I think they need to do uh, for. Uh, Green Goblin, finally. Just give him that goofy purple hat with, like, a... I mean, look at what they did with, uh, with, with... Pick anything. Pick any good CGI. Pick. Uh, they can even do it with practical. You can give him that green fucking goblin face without it being this mechanical-looking suit or without transforming him into those damn... Whatever they did to Don in the fucking... Oh, Amazing gosh. Spider-Man shit. Like... Give me the that real Green Goblin. He's one of my favorite villains of all time. Give him to me. I want to fucking see him. I'm so pissed that they keep fucking it up. I think you're right. And yeah, who's to say they couldn't, you know, give him that that face and make him and have him be able to come up, uh, conjure up some sort of, uh, you know, a, dis- a disguise for her to look normal, you know, Just, and then so that when he can remove it, he can be the Green Goblin. I mean, <laughs> pointy ears, uh, uh, put a little bit of extra on the chin, paint his face green give him a prosthetic on his nose. Done. It's fucking done. He doesn't have to look exactly like a goblin. Green person with a fucking purple hat. It's l- just make him link and paint him green. What the fuck? Like, sorry. I, he's my favorite, and I'm very... Uh, one day, Tim. One day. Okay. One day. Let's, um... I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go with another uh, honorable mention, who I think is a great antagonist. Because I wouldn't call anyone in this movie a villain, but I would go with antagonist. I'm going to go with Regina George from Me. Ah, yeah. She is a fucking bitch in, like, yeah. the whole movie. And is just a mean person, mean-spirited. And, you know, does she turn around at the end after getting hit by a bus? Sure, we like to think so, but she's not in it the rest of the fucking movie, practically. But it's, it's a good antagonist of the movie. Something that, you know, you kind of want to... You, you, you want to see kind of bad happen to her, but then when bad happened yeah. to her, you're like, ooh, that was a little much. <laughs> like, Still a person. Holy you know? shit. <laughs> like, right. that, was, that was a bust. Um, but a good yeah. version of antagonist versus villain. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. Who do you want to talk about? You pull from the list. I've been uh, let's see. I mean, there's no one for, Well, someone that I haven't brought up yet is the first time I remember as a kid hating a villain uh who still I to this day is pretty evil would be uh sid from the first toy story <laughs> sure, sure i think he was a good villain i mean he was kind of evil for reasons unknown to us maybe a rough childhood i'm what assuming uh and just and then the satisfaction of of the the toys rebelling against him was just i still think one of my favorite scenes in movie history to this date and uh you know i mean in the end isn't that what it's all about in movies getting yeah. a little satisfaction against the villain yeah. anyway yeah. that's something i really enjoyed no i liked it and, and you know we talked about this the other day but like how uh, because he's a villain to the toys but like in real life like you were like would you say to me, you're like, yeah, you probably don't see him as a villain because you were Sid. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I blew up my toys and did all that shit when I was a kid. I did that. I, I took I took an old Mickey Mouse uh, figure who would walk, and then I took a, um, a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer who would also walk, and I tore him apart, and I put them together and created a Mickey Mouse uh, Minotaur. And uh, it would play Jingle Bells and then talk like Mickey because I took the sound chip and melded them together. It was fucking hilarious. My mom was like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? And I was like, nothing. It's fine. I swear. That's um, funny. Yeah. Well, if we're going to talk about 
villains we we truly despise. I was trying to think and think, and Tim sent me this list. And the name that stood out most to me, the name we all love to, the person we all love to hate, Prince Joffrey of Game of Thrones. Uh, I I don't think I've can come up with a villain I've truly despised more. Uh, and that really can just to the point where logic and backstory and all that stuff just goes out the window. It's just, just pure hatred. And that is a great thing. Uh, when you lose yourself in the moment and of the show and you're not thinking about anything else and you're just like, Oh, this fucking, oh, God, just, just die, just die. And it's, uh, which we get our wish, but, and you know, and it's, it, it's funny. I think I, wa- we watched the episode of Joffrey's death together. So. Uh, and it, you know, it almost, it's it's amazing. It's what an amazing show that that was for a while, for most of it. Um, in that, I, even all, all that pent up hatred, all the stupid things he did, the little entitled prick that he was, in the moment of him gasping for breath and bare, and reaching for his mother, I felt sorry for the kid. I didn't uh, he, fuck that. I was I happy mean, he died. I was like, good. I, mean, I hope it's slower. <laughs> I wanted. I think I just. I wanted. I wanted. You know, a, a stabbing or I don't know. It was it, in in hindsight that is. I think what I would have wanted. But seeing it happen uh, was not as satisfying as I thought it would be. I mean, so many times, just such frequent. I mean, all the credit in the world to that actor, Jack, whatever his name is. Uh, he, <laughs> yeah. we, wait, 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 okay. Do you know why he went evil? Here's my fun little theory. It's it's a stupid theory, and it's not... Uh, it, it intermingles different worlds. Uh, he, he was the kid in uh, Batman Begins who sees Batman, uh, and he's like... Mm- He's like, my friends won't believe me. And he gives him that dumb little telescope thing where you're like, that's not a proof that you're Batman. You know, so he's got this thing and he goes to his friends and he tells his friends. He's like, I saw Batman. They're like, no, you didn't, you dumb little bitch. And then he's like, look at the telescope. He's like, fuck your telescope, breaks it. And then this kid fucking grows up to be fucking Joffrey because Batman didn't give him a better toy. Really, Batman's the villain here, okay? Batman. Batman Game of Thrones crossover. All right. <laughs> and at some point, he becomes British and goes back in time to a different world. Um, yeah, but anyway. <laughs> details. Tomato, tomato. Details. Minor details. details. <laughs> um, yeah. He, man, he, he really he did a great job. Evil incarnate. That character is just and it was, evil. He was taught to be that way. And so he really knew no other way but to like, be. When you watch the show and you see some of this shit that Joffrey does, even Cersei at one point would be like, you'd see it on her face for a moment yeah. and be like, ooh, like that is, that's, yeah. what have I done? You know? And well, I think she, I think she only was, reacts that way because he. Because it's a, he's usually doing reactionary things, and he's not calculating his evil decisions, and he's doing them on the fly without thinking of consequences. Yeah. I don't think she's yeah, reacting true. in that, like, oh, God, he's – I think she's reacting in the way that, oh, people reacting are really it. seeing how evil my son truly is. Like uh, a dumb choice. Right, and she's more of – she doesn't want to be seen as outright evil. She wants to – make smart calculated decisions and he wasn't doing any of that he was just like man let's do this off with his head like those sorts of things 
And that I think was what she I don't I think she liked him being evil, I think you know, and making bold decisions, but it was the less it was the not calculating and thinking his decisions through is what she didn't like and uh well it ultimately led to uh his untimely demise. Okay, so before we talk more about the rest of this list, we're going to take a small break, uh, and we're going to get back to it. We're going to come in and talk more about uh, that uh, surprising Batman news. We're probably going to come back and talk more uh, about more of these villains, because we have so much more to say. Thank you, Dan, for uh, this first one, and uh, we'll uh, get ready for part two. We're going to have another uh, session of this, okay? Thank you. <laughs> 